Voices serves as the megaphone for individuals who have endured transformational change. By highlighting trials and triumphs, our desire is to create a safe space for pivotal conversations, which in turn will deepen the story and provoke hope for you, our listeners. As you may know, change is never easy, but it is inevitable. You are not alone in what you're facing. Your transformation is possible, purposeful, and now. And here's Aaron Wiggum, founder and managing director of New You, with this week's guest. Welcome to another edition of New Voices. My name is Aaron Wiggum, and I'm your host. We have a wonderful show for you today. This man here has been in my life for over 30 years, and um, uh, he serves as a mentor uh, to me uh, in a very personal way. Um, but more importantly, uh, this man has done some amazing things around the world. He has been a thought leader uh, globally for a long time now, uh, been a C-suite executive for uh, quite a period of time. He is a husband. He is a father. He is a uh, a man of integrity, and he is a fierce businessman. Um, we know him and love him in Pittsburgh as one of the uh, amazing thought leaders there. And we're excited about the work that he's doing now in leading the Habitat for Humanity. I bring you none other than Dr. Howard B. Slaughter. Welcome to New Voices, Dr. Slaughter. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm really excited about the afternoon to speak with you and all the great men you were doing in Tulsa. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get right into it. Um, we're going to start your story. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Um, growing up in the eastern side of Pittsburgh and what all that had to offer. Um, and take us through a little bit of your story, um, uh, finding your way from, you know, the, the life that you've known to uh, the life that you now live. Sure. The, the interesting thing about that whole story, and I won't give you the whole story because town won't allow the teeth, but when we hear People say that good things don't come out of urban areas or challenges or facing people in urban areas so much so that you don't see the crawl nuts that we like to see come on those neighborhoods. I just want to start by saying, you know, I grew up in a very tough urban community uh, in Pittsburgh. For those who know that you're in Homewood is where I grew up. And it was a challenge because it was difficult to, to, to really grow uh, when you have limited resources, limited opportunities, things of that nature. But I think what's really important for people to know about my story is that I had a great mother who really encouraged me, took me to church. But I always tell this story when I have an opportunity to speak. Because I'm in the house of business, and I've been in the house of business for a number of years. My mother told me one time, we were walking, and she said, son, when you were four or five years old, and this is interesting because a lot of people have done things like this, but it's really important to not forget those things that we've said and that those things that God has blessed to come to fruition. She said, son, 
you told me when you were four or five years old, we were walking. At the time, we, we didn't have a car. And mm-hmm. she said, I told her that as we were walking through the dated community neighborhood, and I saw all of these homes that were just in terrible shape. Keep in mind, four or five years old, I didn't know what I was really talking about. And I didn't even remember it. So years later, she said, you said, mm-hmm. Mommy, if I had money, I would fix up these houses. And that's kind of how she said I said mm-hmm. it. That was when I was yeah. four or five years old. I did not have any expectation that I would end up in the housing business. And I'll talk about that a little later, but how prophetic uh, that was. And sometimes yeah. we are speaking things that come to fruition and we have to reflect on what we said and where we are years down. So I say that as a start. That's it. But growing up in, in Homewood was, was to me uh, a great opportunity because I didn't know we were. You know, yeah. I didn't learn that until years later. I didn't know we were for it. And, and it was great because mother family made sure that everything they could do for me was stuff. In Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. there's a park called Kittywood area. You know, Tennywood. And Kittywood. Absolutely. A lot of uh, schools go to where summer they have bed Kennywood. And I remember, uh, one place we would always go is to Kennywood. Once we catch the bus, we go to Kennywood. And I really enjoyed that. But as I reflected back on when I was younger, I didn't remember many opportunities to go to places. You know, we look at today, mm-hmm. people plan vacations and all those things. You didn't plan mm-hmm. There was no point to go mm-hmm. to Florida or South Carolina or any of those things. Our vacation was you get a day at Kennywood. That was at Kennywood. Yeah. We look forward to that every year. But when you yeah. think about where God is brought from to where you are, it's a yes. it's a time of joy and an opportunity to think about what he's done for you. So didn't have a lot of opportunity to go travel when I was out in Bisno. Let's get in the car and go down south for uh, summer vacation or anything like that. But what it didn't do, it didn't deter me from still trying to reach a goal. It didn't deter mm. me not thinking about what we didn't have and focus on and focused on what we could have, could achieve. And so from a very right. young age, I always knew I wanted to be in business. I remember yeah. seeing people carrying green faces back then, some 30, 40 years ago. Uh, if mm-hmm. you didn't have a green case, you weren't a business man or a business woman. You weren't in business. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you had to have a green case. Um, and I remember That's seeing right. people downtown or wherever these cases really wanted that. Still didn't understand that. Now, let me give you another segue here. 30 years later, and I'll come back to this as well. Where I ended up in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. when I was working at Pentagon, the first thing they gave me was a briefcase. So, you know, something that I saw yeah. when I was very young, and that also thing. But starting out in Homewood, uh, 
living in a place that was tough to live in. There were issues with the community, uh, but it was a community that I loved and I still love to this day. Still work in Hollywood doing things that do my best to help make a difference there as well. But it certainly was an opportunity for me to grow and find my way. And as a result, you know, we moved you know, a number of different places. We lived in two different places in Homewood. Then we moved to Carfield. Then we moved to another place. And so I had an opportunity to see a little bit of city and experience different opportunities and atmospheres. So for me, growing up in the city of Pittsburgh, particularly in Homewood and in Garfield, was an opportunity, opening opportunity in that I had an opportunity to experience what it was really like to grow up poor, but at the same time, understanding that I had opportunities to grow even. And so that's where it really all started when I was very, very young. But it was the foundation that my mother and my aunts and, and my family helped to build in me that I didn't recognize until we got a little old. And as a result, the Lord right. has cruelly blessed me t- to get to where I'm going. That, nice. that, so, that, that me was, was big. Good. Just that, just that, just that yeah. beginning. And I think this is really important. We really have to make sure we help people understand their beginnings. That's so important. That's it. That's, that's, it. that's really important. Right. I can tell you, I, I didn't ever think that I would have achieved some of the things that God has blessed to us. It just wasn't something I thought about. I thought if I could just do the best I could, I, I believed that would be okay, but not ever thinking that some of the, some of the goals and tutors that to reach was, was possible. Well, and, and what I hear when I hear you say that is no matter where you're starting from, it's enough. Like you have enough, whatever, whatever you've been given is enough to make it to where you want to go to. Right. And of course things are added over time, but the, 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 the nucleus of who you are and, and what makes you, um, uh, what makes you, uh, re- you know, prepared for where you're going to go is actually already in you. It's not something that's going to be ornamental or something that's going to be external. This is this is this is the fiber of where you've begun, where, where you began, and like all of the things that happen along the way. I want to fast forward a little bit to your time in the military. Uh, thanks for your service, by the way. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. What led you to the military? And then when you when you were transitioning out, and this is, you know, one thing we like to highlight is transitional periods, right? So one of the snafus that kind of happens is when um, people are coming out of the service, they don't have a, a easy transition from service, uh, uh, from the service into civilianhood, right? And so... Um, can you talk a little bit about what led you to the service, and then how, what was your transition like from uh, your your duty, your time in duty, converting out now to a civilian life? Sure, sure. Great question. Thanks for mentioning that. It's really interesting. Here's here's what really led me to come to the board. I was in high school. Did okay. I was a B student. Didn't work really, really mm-hmm. hard to be a B student. I probably could have been A student if I lived apart. 
But, you know, I was a B student. Mm -hmm. But because in my family, we still had a limited income, I knew that my mother, uh, it was just my mother, uh, so there was no resources to go to college. We didn't talk about mm -hmm. when I was 15 or 16, where you going to go to college. That, that just wasn't a conversation. Right. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I knew that I had to do something. And my mother said, well, you know, if you graduate, you can't stay here and not do something. And the not do right. something to me meant that I had to figure out a strategy. And while I graduated from high school, there was no prospect about college. The job, the jobs that were out there good if you had some education, maybe, or experience. So I said, mm -hmm. you know what? Two things. My mother said, I got to do something. And I remember my cousin, John Darrell, who had gone into the military a year before me. And so I decided I'll go to the Navy. He went to the Navy. I said, I'll go to the Navy, and that way I'll get income, some experience, and get a chance to travel. The first time I was ever on the plane was when I was 70 years old. I'd never been on the plane before. My first flight was wow. the boot camp. First flight, the boot camp. And so I joined the Navy, started out at the lowest rank at E1, enlisted one, was what it is, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, worked my way up through the military. Uh, Went to a school. I ended up at school in Meridian, Mississippi. And okay. this is interesting. Another thing my mother taught me. I was remember when I was in high school, and I had to take one other course, and I didn't know what to take. My mother said, "I said they they offered me a, a whole met class, cooking and typing, you know, mixed together." She said, "Take right. the best move I ever did. Took the typing class. Mm. That led me to." become a yeoman in the military, which was admin. And so I spent four okay. years of the military. And to your question about the challenge coming out, and by the way, I had a great time. I ended up working for the intelligence agency. Because I'm kind of on top to mm -hmm. the clinics, all of that, FBI investigation, a whole yards. But what ultimately happened, uh, my stepfather, Mother Renaric, was very sick and decided to come back home. So I got out of the military, a little mm. group, and the transition wasn't easy because mm. I had to find a job coming back to Pittsburgh, still not having a degree, but had some experience. And so it was not easy. Right. And I found myself, uh, it'd be uh, unemployment line for that. And I came back, had yeah. a job. I never gone to be in unemployment for a while. Began to search and figure out where I could go. Started my career at bank. Finally got a job at the bank. And I was yeah. actually the bank on it. First teller, customer service rep. Not teller, first customer service rep. That was a guy. Mm -hmm. Did that because I was there. Long story short, um, the Lord yeah. blessed, went into banking, gone. But the transition military for me wasn't easy. But it wasn't difficult either because I worked hard to try to find something to move forward. And, uh, and that's what I did. So it was great okay. to make that transition. And then the banking career started. That was when it all started. Yeah. Out of the banking, that was something that I was really excited about. 
I ever learned how to do banks. And a lot of people ask me today because I do a lot around financial literacy. And Eric, the reason mm -hmm. I really understood it really all is because I worked in the collection department at the bank. Yeah, so you knew what not to do, right? I knew yeah. what not to do. I knew what not to do, and I knew yes. the chapters that people faced because we used to call it dialing for dollars. We would, literally, my job was, after becoming a teller and customer service rep, to call people, make your payments, hang up, call some out, make your payments. That's what I did. And so I understood yeah. the challenges. As a result, learned a lot there. The Lord blessed me to move up into the ranks of banking. And it took off from there. Yeah. Wow. It's wonderful. So you, you start to, uh, your career starts to take off in baking. And then you, you um, I'm assuming you start to go back to school and get uh, paperwork to go along with those promotions and those new opportunities. And um, uh, I, I want I want to kind of highlight, you know, as you were going up this ascent or you were taking this ascent in the ranks um, through the banking world, um, did, did it feel surreal? Did you ever have to wrestle with like imposter syndrome or did you ever have to deal with like, I'm in this room, but do I deserve to be in this room or am I, am I, am I qualified to be in this room or do, am I looked at as an equal in this room? Like, wh wh what were some of your thoughts and your feelings as you're ascending, um, coming from such a a um, humble beginning to now a you, you know offices and tables where million dollar decisions are being made? It, it was interesting because when I started in banking, you know, I started at the bottom, meaning you know collections. Those areas where, you know, people don't necessarily like work and began to move up. And you're right. Uh, I ended up going to school and the bank had a program mm -hmm. where they would pay somebody to school in. And that's how I started. And I also used some of my military benefits mm -hmm. and what you money. Mm -hmm. shirt. Yeah. I went to uh, community college and believe it or not, I thought if I could just get a socialist degree. I'm happy. I'm fine. And I'll be all right. Yeah. 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 But, and in that in that day yeah, you, you kinda could. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If you had an associate's degree, yeah. that was that was pretty good. Bachelor's was the premier degree at the time. Uh today we right. know it's not just bachelor's. But to your question about feeling a certain way, I remember gentlemen still is around today. I was coming down the elevator and True story, I had on uh, some clothes that were, it was acceptable, but it wasn't the banker outfits. And he yeah. pulled me aside. He said, look at these guys and ladies coming down the elevator. We just stood in the, in the hallway. And mm -hmm. I was watching him have white shirts, red ties, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And said, you got to change how you dress. True story. I, I remember this guy to this day. And began to understand that there was a different atmosphere and a different way of doing things. And I did sometimes feel inadequate because at the time I didn't have a degree. Uh, at the time, many of my peers did not <coughs> look like me. Um, that, that just, right. it was just not in, not in that, not in that field at that time. Uh, mm -hmm. 
just to look like me. I didn't know the lingo. I didn't have the connections. You felt disconnected and you didn't have anybody to really talk to about. Like, so right. you go yes. home and you try to deal with it, try to figure out what do I need to do? How do I move up? What am I missing? How do I get within this? All of those things are things that you try to figure out. And sometimes it's very, very difficult. So, you know, there are challenges that, that I have faced that others have faced. And I told somebody not long ago, I said, have you ever walked in a room where everybody is different than you, but you still have to get along with everybody, understand their culture, the way they do things? It's not easy. It's not it's easy. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, people don't sometimes understand that. For African Americans, we're often in those situations, often in those situations where we are very one of the few, if not the only one, and we have to assimilate within that structure that we're in. And at times, it can mm -hmm. be difficult because, because we want to assimilate doesn't mean the others will want you to be able to assimilate. We we'll want you to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, or help you, or don't even recognize that that process is challenging you because they're not dealing with that. So there are a lot of different reasons why right. that happens. And that begins to frustrate a lot of people because they don't know how to get through, right? Uh, they don't know how to yeah. get to that brick wall. And it is a wall for some. So I just kept trying to over. One of the things that I did realize is, you know what? I got to give more education because one of the mm. equalizers to some extent, not 100%, mm -hmm. but to some extent, is having more education. So as a result, the Lord right. bless, I went and got the associate, the I went back, got the bachelor's, and then I said, let's keep it going. I went back, got a master's, and believe me, none of yeah. this I ever thought I would be able to achieve. And then I went back and got another master's, and then I went back mm -hmm. and got a doctor, as well as providing, and as well as taking advantage of an opportunity that was provided to me to do other supplemental education. So fast yeah. forward, five degrees later, I, I did a fellowship in Harvard. Uh, you know, all of these things uh, helped me to recognize, at least within myself, that I'm, I'm just as smart. I know how to make this work. I know how this happens. Right. And the Lord continued to open doors. I didn't ever think I would be president of several different companies, things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a blessing of how God is blessed. But that transition isn't always easy for everybody. The thing I would also say is for people who are in those positions of transition, and I call them positions of transition because it's not something that you stay in, you've got to stay focused right. and continue to work at it. The average person yeah. will not get a lot of people to support them. Generally speaking, I mean, you may have right. one, two people who will support you, but yeah. by large, you're not going to have a lot of people who say, go for it, get it done. You've got to have that self-determination uh, uh, to move forward mm -hmm. and get there and pray that you have this. But if you don't have that self-determination to strive and to try to make it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be yeah. difficult. I I remember going, talking about that ascent. I remember you had just finished one of the, your master's degrees. I believe it was the Carnegie Mellon one. 
and I bumped into you downtown. We're, we're standing out in front of uh, 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 Penn Avenue Place um, at the Highmark Building downtown. And uh, you, you know, I, we bumped in. I say, "Hey, how's it going, Doc?" You said, oh, "Well, you weren't Doc then. You, you knew you was Deke then." And so we, we were talking, and uh, and you said, um, "Go back and get your get your master." You said, "Go get your degree." And I said, oh, "Well, I'm, I'm 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 doing this and I'm doing that, and I don't have enough time for this." And you said, "No, you don't have time not to go get your degree. You need to go get your degree." And, um, I went and I, I wasn't sure what to go for. And you told me I was going to go for business. You said, uh, business is too, too general, you know, go, go. You said, how about finance? You know, everybody needs a money guy, you know, radio station, uh, a school district, bookstore, no matter hospital, no matter where everybody needs a money guy. If you understand how money works, you'll always be necessary. And that's what led me to go off and get my, uh, degree in finance. And then when you, when I finished that, you said, all right, don't stop, go get your master's. <laughs> and I said, well, 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 I don't need my, ma- I'm done with school. And, uh, you, you pulled out a check when we were standing there uh, at, at Penn Avenue place, you pulled out a check. It was a sizable check and uh very sizable check. Some, some people's annual salary size check. And you said, I just made this check in a couple hours. I flew up to Chicago came back and this is my check. Now go get your degree. And, um, it, it was, it, I remember vividly that conversation and just, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of giving you your flowers, you know, I, I, I do it all the time, but, uh, openly giving you your flowers. Now how I needed to have somebody in my life who looked like me, who I knew came from the same humble beginnings, but you were, you were 10 rungs ahead of me and you were telling me, Oh, you can get here. I'm telling you, you can get here. And I'm, and and I'm watching you climb. And as you climb, I'm climbing. And, uh, but without having a Dr. Slaughter to be able to set, to be that pace car in my life to kind of set a pace and say, you know, I know what you've seen, but I'm going to tell you something you've never seen. And if you keep going, there's more, right? I needed that. And so I, I personally, I want to thank you for always being that, that sounding board and that, uh, that, that mentor that could speak into my life and help me to see what I can't see coming. Um, Aaron, I, I, I really yeah. appreciate you saying, I, I remember many conversations that we had and the thing that you did is you did it. The challenge right. is we talk to so many people. I've done seminars. I, yeah, I just spoke last, uh, last week at a university here in Pittsburgh. The students, many don't follow through, unfortunately. Right. You did. Right. And I'm so thankful that you did. And I'm really excited about what you're doing in Tulsa. I'll, you know, let them know down there. We still love you here in Pittsburgh, by the way. You know, we do yeah. Oh, they know. I, I read my four one too hard. They they know. Okay, okay, good, good. But what we yeah. want to do is make sure we're exactly with where we can be. We'll also right. encourage others to not give up. I think the biggest impediment to the achievements that anyone wants to make is the ability to continue. And I'll tell you something that most people don't help. I have five earned degrees. None of those degrees were given to me there. Or honorary. 
And I never spent one day on campus in the dorm. All of my mm. school was nights and weekends. Mm-hmm. 20 years at night after work, when I got my MBA, it was a program. You had to go to school every Saturday, all day for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Every all day for a time year. The point is, I'm saying that it does take work and it does yeah. take effort to do it. Mm-hmm. And some people don't want to quit that time. But I encourage those who watch this podcast to put the time in because down the road, it does really pay off. And here's yeah. what I say to somebody I'd rather have those things that I think would be helpful and deal with whatever I have deal as opposed to not having them and having to deal with those issues. That's because right. Education is important. Is it everything? No. But it is very important. Common sense is very important too. It, it is it takes you a long way. Yeah, it yeah. takes you a long way. Having common sense, having education, and more importantly having the Lord on your side gets you where you want to go. I, I just didn't think that I would I would be where I am. I mean I've met presidents of the United States, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I remember talking to Barack Obama and George Bush. I've got, you know, I was in the White House with Condoleezza Rice. You know, I've, I've done mm-hmm. a lot of things. I've met uh, movie stars. All of those things, they're all nice things and they're achievements, mm-hmm. opportunities based on the things that you do. But most importantly for me, I really enjoy helping families become homeowners. And helping yeah. with mortgages and providing financial literacy education. Uh, when I wrote my book, which is on Amazon, by the way, Addicted yeah, to Debt. Yeah, go shout it out, by yeah, the way, while you're there. On Amazon is Addicted to Debt, Get Out, and Stay Out. And that yeah. came as a result of my wife told me years ago, you need to write a book. And I just mm-hmm. love that. That's nice, honey. I'll get to maybe 10 years later before I really wrote the book. But the point is, the addicted to debt is a challenge that I put out to people to say, are you really addicted? We hear about other addictions, but you really don't mm-hmm. hear the addicted to debt. And what that really means is there are people that are shopping in malls and don't even need the things that they're shopping. Yeah. There's yeah. a bit more. It's so easy to do that. And one of the biggest challenges for all people, but in particular, African Americans is this debt problem. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a lot of debt and we have less assets. We have right. more debt and do assets. We have mm-hmm. less ownership than many other ethnic groups mm-hmm. are rich. We have uh, less net worth uh, compared to right. other uh, groups. So we're in this situation where we need to change that. And that's a big impediment for us to do some of the things we do. And so right. for those people who are listening to say, yes, whatever you need to do, uh, you've got to minimize the debt because that has such a stranglehold on so many people. That said, the Lord bless me to, to write a book. All of these things that takes time, but it can be achieved. Keep in mind, let's say when we started this conversation, I was a young boy at a single mm-hmm. parent home. In a mm-hmm. poor neighborhood with no prospects of achievement for others, others who said that, you, what do you want to do? Right. And so when I see others 
who are in similar situations, we can say, you can make, there is hope. Yeah. You can change yeah. the trajectory of your life. You don't have yeah. to be others say you can't be or you are going to be. And that's the yeah. challenge today. And I'm so thankful that I can able when you go back to your life and realize, no, time flies. When you start thinking about it, you're 20, the next thing you know, you're 30, then you're 40. Yes. We're, yes. You know, we're all going to go sooner or later. What is it that you can look back and say you've achieved? How have exactly. others in humanity? What have you really right. Thank. I mean, I've, I've started programs. There's a program at Hersey. I've taught a lot of kids. And I was adjunct professor and the graduate. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that I wanted to achieve, the order's lesson to achieve. But the most important thing is to be an example as well. And we yeah. want to make sure all of our family members, all friends understand that, listen, you are in charge of your life. You are the CEO of your life. Right? That's it. That's it. You are the CEO yes. of your life. And if you don't have an opportunity to be the CEO of anything else, make sure you take care of you and do the things you yeah. need to, to grow, to get to really like that. And that's the biggest message, I think, for me, that was, I'm in charge yeah. of me. Yeah. I can make me do what I want me to do. And yes. is, can you do with it? Are you going to do it? You, you can work hard and mm -hmm. not work hard. You can right. go to school or not go to school. You can help others or not help others. It's all up to you. And I think right. what you're doing shows and is indicative of someone who can take something and make something out of it. No one gave you that opportunity. You had to create it. And then right. people started pointing to you, right? But if you didn't do right. anything, there's nothing for it to. And that's, that's the key. It. So I'm thankful because, yes, we face challenges. We have as black yes. men, let's be real here. We face a lot of challenges. A lot of people don't even understand. I mean, I'll give you one example. Right. Last night, I watched the news in Pittsburgh. It was a young man in his suit. I tell you, if you do, it probably do at the time. But mm -hmm. uh, he created a, a serious crime. But they showed his picture in handcuffs on the move almost every night for a whole week. There was another mm -hmm. one who was not an African American. He uh, mm -hmm. had a similar situation, crying, big crying, you know, and, and she was about, she is about, actually. And yes. Mm -hmm. When they showed it on the news, they didn't put her picture on. They just had her name. Right. And they had a background, yeah. not her picture. And so here's a guy. Right. Did something wrong. They had his tan cut. He was handcuffed. They had him in the purple lock yeah. for a whole. This other woman who was not African American, the only thing you saw was her name. And so right. images that impact how people see us as well. Because it, it was hurtful to me that the guy exactly. did what he did. And all right, you hurt boxing once. But every day for the whole week almost, the news showed this gentleman mm -hmm. in law in the orange shoe, this woman, just the name. So we deal with those issues mm -hmm. all the time. So the first thing is not to be the situation where you have to be perp walked, right? But the point is, there are very serious differences in how 
in some cases, African Americans are treated. And we have to make sure we do our best to be mm-hmm. in a position so that we don't have to deal with this. You know, a lot of us have never been in jail, have never been arrested, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. But sometimes people see things and believe that that's how everyone else is or the majority is. You know, we still deal with racism today. It's not right. a part way. Uh, institutionalized racism is still right. on facts. No question about it. How do we deal? Yeah. How do we work through it? And there are a lot of people who want to change those trajectories, not just us. But it's a big challenge, and we've got to face it, but we've got to deal with it, and we've got to get through it. And you do that by living right, meeting, trusting in the Lord, and doing your best mm-hmm. to work hard and to help people understand who you are, what you are, and why you are. And I think that's a—and you are doing yeah. that— your business, and I, I try to be that in everything I say and do. But as we provide examples to others, it's certainly a way for help, helping people see that things can change and good things can come out of bad situations. No question about it. Not that my situation was bad. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. that uh, we didn't have the income, we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the money. But that doesn't mean that you can't right. achieve. There are ways to do it. Today, yeah. people with people go to Harvard, uh, if you meet a certain income level and not have to pay. Take advantage. Not pay that. a dime. Yep. Not a dime. You know? Me and me, if I had more time, I I'd probably figure out how I could go back, you know. Yeah. So I, I think it's important for mm-hmm. all of us to understand that the challenges that we face are going to occur. It's how you do and what you do with them, that matters. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I'm really thankful that. And I've been in situations where it was tough. Believe me, I, I've come home and, and almost cried at times of, of the situations that I've had to face. And mm-hmm. I felt that, you know, this evaluation wasn't right. I know what it's like to be laid off. You know, uh, I mean, I've been through those situations. Mm-hmm. And it's not pretty. It's not easy. But we all face something that the key is how we want to deal with it. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And that's the key. That's the key. You, you're going to get hit at some point in life with something that you may not be expecting or you didn't know how to deal with. But there is a way to come out of it. And I think that's so important. Bless the, all of us to love. Yeah. That's powerful, powerful, powerful. So, you know, to, to now, here is the president and CEO of Habitat for Humanity, which is leading a full-fledged cause in building houses for homeowners um, around the city of Pittsburgh. So kudos to you for, for that, leading that effort. Um, you said over 24,000 individuals? Yeah, that, I was at Fannie Mae. I was also the regional director for Fannie Mae, which was, you know, arguably one of the largest housing finance organizations in the country and the secondary market. Right. At that time, I had a $2 billion house plan. And when I was at Fannie Mae, that's where we helped over the tenure house. And it's continued now that Habitat, I love for work that we do at Habitat, please add a great disability of. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, it's amazing because so much of buying a house is, it's like 60% finance, 40% the property, right? Like, 
it, the whole thing is hinged upon how to, how's the deal going to work, right? And the deal is going to work based on the integrity of the house as well, right? So you have the, you have the, uh, you're getting to see both sides of those kind of married together, um, in your work at Habitat. And I think it's wonderful. I even know some of the individuals that you've put placed in homes. And, uh, one is a single mom who comes to mind. And, uh, she was just so elated to see, um, that come to fruition. And never thought she would be a homeowner. Never thought she'd be a homeowner. But now she, her and her daughter are living there, um, in the Homewood, Brushton area. And, uh, by way of the work that you're doing at her habitat. So kudos to you. Um, I want to leave a call to action here before any last thoughts for our listeners and then a call to action, uh, for you. Sure. And one of the things that I just want to conclude this by saying, it is possible, whatever that it is for those who are listening, it is possible because we don't believe that it's possible. It's not hard to have. You know, it is mm-hmm. possible to be president of Africa after spending 27 years in jail. Didn't seem possible. In prison, yeah. But uh, it is possible. Nelson Mandela proved that. It is possible to mm-hmm. be the president of the United States and be a black man. President Barack among I show that that is cost. It is costable to be a black billionaire, having done a major TV show in, with success. Oprah Winfrey proved that. So there are a lot of things that we could talk about, but I want those who are listening to understand it is possible. And until you mm-hmm. recognize that it is possible, most likely you won't get there. But you've got to know, right. whatever that it is for you, it is possible. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I want to leave with those who blessed our place. And, uh, but if anybody wants to reach out to me, first of all, let me just say, please go to Amazon. Uh, you can read the snippet of my book on Amazon because, as I told you, Aaron, years ago, everybody has to deal with finances. Everybody doesn't yep. walk, everybody doesn't uh, drive a car. But everybody has to deal with money. And so you better be right. smart about that. So, you know, go to Amazon with my name and Dr. Howard Slaughter, addicted to debt, and, and you like the excerpts that you read. I've got some good, good uh, followers on Amazon. Uh, please uh, take a look. Uh, you certainly can reach me. Um, just uh, give me my email. It's uh, dr. Dr. HBSJR at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there anytime. I was going to all of uh, all of the email requests that I've received. And I'm just so thankful for the opportunity and to, to be on your show with Will You. I like what you're doing. I'm so blessed to know you and have helped give you so important. You've just taken off me really well. And uh, makes me want to get on a plane and get right down the pulse of spending time with the guys down there. Yeah, Tell come you. on down. We got a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the only time I was in, I was in Oklahoma. I was in lot Oklahoma, but I was in lot. Yeah, I was in lot. Yep. We get something up trading down lot that I've not ever been to Tulsa. Uh, but yeah, uh, I thank for what you're doing. Thank you for the opportunity to be this podcast. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. This has been a bl- a blessing. And uh, we look forward to the work, uh, hearing more about the work that you're doing. Um, 
that's is pretty much all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to uh, New Voices. Until next time, continue to be encouraged. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Voices. Visit our website at www.newutulsa.com. That is N-E-W-U-Tulsa.com. Follow us on social media at New U Tulsa on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And a special thank you to our producer, Jesse Ulrich. If you're looking for self-improvement, join our free cohorts for personal and professional development opportunities. New U is a way for diverse talent to imagine, discover, and actualize a 2.0 version of yourself. Bring your future into focus. Thank you.